in a series called The Great Sermon, and uh, this is not talking about how great my sermon's going to be. It's talking about the one that Jesus preached. Now, before you get your thinking all messed up, and uh, it's not talking about, I hope this one's great, and, and through Jesus it will be. But we're really talking about the great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And I will uh, highly, highly recommend that you go and listen to part one and part two of the great sermon. And the reason is because most people go into the great sermon and you're going to notice that throughout the great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is basically chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven of Matthew. Well, that's a whole lot of scriptures and, and they're not like, you know, ten scripture chapters. You know, and most of them have to do with things that you and I should do. Right? Yeah. And so a lot of times people will read that and they'll get discouraged. They're like, I can't keep up with what I've got to do now. Right? And, but what you have to understand is why was he given the great sermon? With what, uh, what purpose was he given the great sermon? And what was he trying to get across? And here's one of the biggest keys that I can give you is that he was not preaching the great sermon to give you a bunch of stuff that you'd never be able to fulfill. He was giving you the great sermon because you can fulfill it, because you can do these things. But what you need to do is not look at what you have available and how good you can do it, but how good can you do it through Jesus, right? With him and by his grace, that grace will empower you to live out the holiness and deny ungodliness, right? That's what grace is for, is, is to move into those things, to empower us to live those types of lives. And uh, so, when, when we look at this, I want you to look here at Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28 and 29. And I give you some really big things in part 1 and part 2 of the Great Sermon series. Um, you'll see some things that are very important. I'm going to highlight it now, but I went into more depth in those parts. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, it says, When Jesus had finished these word, words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Now, has anybody read through the great sermon besides me? Like, when you're reading through it, I mean, does your mouth just fall open in amazement? Mine didn't. So, now what amazed the crowds then? And, and you look at the next verse, it gives you a clue. It says, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, the scribes, they were all about the law. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the signs, right? All right, do this, don't do that. Do this, don't do that, right? And all of a sudden, here's the scribes giving you all this, all this stuff to do. And most people are like, I can't do that. But then they get to the end of Jesus' message, which sounds similar in nature, and then they're amazed. So what's the difference? And you notice that what it says is he taught them as one having authority. And, and what I've said for years now is this, is that uh, how a preacher believes in what he's preaching changes everything. In other words, I can get up here and I can give you scripture after scripture about healing. I can give you scripture and scripture about prosperity. I can give you all kinds of scriptures about the goodness of God. But if I don't believe it, you're going to know it. Yeah. Yeah. 
People have learned today to see through the, the fog of, of men's spin, man's spin on things. They, 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 uh, <laughs> I can't give you the description that passed through my head, but they've learned to cut through all the junk of the world, amen? <laughs> they've learned to, to cut through and see what it is. And here's one thing that this world today in America is looking for. They're looking for something genuine. They want something real. They don't want a preacher that's up here that's talking about healing but doesn't believe in healing. Yeah. They don't want a preacher that's talking about you know the sweet by and by but they don't believe in it. That God is good but they don't believe in it. That God is love but they don't actually live by it. Now I can tell you in my experience, um, one of my biggest disappointments in ministry uh, has been ministers. Because as I started ministering and started getting to the place where I started to know other ministers and started to watch and see different ministries, uh, one of the things that became very evident to me was this, this level that I was putting ministers up on, uh, they weren't there. They weren't on that level. They Up here, you know, in, in the pulpit, you have to understand God's mercy. God, even if I'm not living it, he'll have mercy on you. And there's an anointing that will come on me, not for me, but for you. Yeah. Yep, that's the truth. Because God's merciful. Amen. And that happens a whole lot. But there's something different when, take that back down just a little bit, whatever you did. Uh, there's something different when somebody believes what they're preaching. And it comes across differently. Not only that, but generally signs and wonders follow that. Uh, there is healing. There is deliverance. There is a restoration and liberty of God in that, right? There, there's a sense to it that is different. Well, this is what happened with Jesus. Jesus wasn't just giving them words from a do this, don't do that, right? He was actually giving them something. He believed in his heart. And when you believe something in your heart, the word shows us so many different places, it shall be done. So these words can be preached by two different people. One believes it and one doesn't. And the one who doesn't, they're just words. But for the one who believes it, it hits you with something. There's something that happens inside of you. And he, he was speaking with authority. So I've said this, and I've used Romans 10 as an example of this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the context of that whole passage is the word of God preached. Right? So in other words, if I'm preaching something, is faith physical or is, it, is, it, is faith something physical or is it spiritual? Well, if, if faith could come just by me speaking the right words, then faith would build in you just based off of the words. But when you receive faith, you're not receiving something that's physical and logical. You're receiving something spiritual. That means faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word preached. When I preach the word, the only way faith comes is for spiritually it to be given and imparted out of me. So if I don't believe it, you're not going to grow in faith. Not like you should. And you're not going to grow by understanding it. 
Revelation is good. Understanding is awesome. But he says these things will be spiritually discerned over in Corinthians. He doesn't say, he doesn't, he's not talking about they'll be mentally discerned. In other words, the things of God, the kingdom of God, it's not what you mentally pick up. That's what a lot of people in, in churches today have tried to do. Well, let me understand all of this. That's the same thing they messed up in in the garden. They tried to know everything. That's the same sin. And you've got people in church today. And so what they'll do is they'll go to one church and they'll say, oh, well, I've learned basically everything that they teach. Let me go to the next church and learn what they did. That's the same sin. Because they don't understand that it's not a mental understanding. It's a spiritual understanding, a spiritual discernment. Is this speaking to anybody? Yeah, amen. Good. So then it becomes very important who you're listening to. It becomes very important where you're planted. This is, it's not just a go where you feel comfortable. It's because it's not where you're comfortable that faith is imparted. And you need faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So you need faith. And if you don't have faith, you're not going to be doing much overcoming because God set it up. The thing that overcomes the world is faith. And then it becomes very important who you're listening to. Now, I can, I can feel it right now. I can, I can sense that God, is, he, he's pulling on your heart right now. As I'm speaking, something's happening. You're feeling my words. That's what I'm talking about. I, these, are, these are just words until you combine them with faith and with somebody who believes it and understands it with a responsibility, yeah. with an authority. That's what happened to Jesus here. If you read through it, your mind goes, that's not... A great sermon. I mean, it is. We know that it is. But it's not like something that just blows me away by the words. It wasn't the words that was passed on. It was the authority in Christ. Well, then that becomes very important as a minister to back up and say, Ooh, I need to be carrying something. I need to be hungry and humble for the things of God. Or else when people come here on Sunday morning, I ain't going to have nothing to give them. And I can give them words all day long. And it says even in the last days, they'll give them words that tickle men's ears. In other words, you'll feel good about yourself, but your life don't change. Yeah. There needs to be fruit. Yeah. There needs to be change. There needs to be repentance. Well, that sets up the whole sermon on the mount. The great sermon is things had just changed. You've got to go watch part one. Things had just changed and what God was doing was he was saying, you've been going about it this way in the law by, by physical ways, but the kingdom of God, the heavens have been opened because Jesus prayed after he was baptized. Now heaven is open for God's things to come down and you're going to go about it a different way. You've been going this way. Now when he said repent, he wasn't talking about oh, woe is me, I'm horrible, I he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about stop thinking the way you've been thinking and make a change in all of your actions and your thinking and start doing these things spiritually according to the kingdom of God, not according to the kingdom of this world. Also, stop thinking that Jesus was going to come in here on a war horse and beat Rome back like this with a sword physically. That's not how it's going to happen. He's going to overcome the whole thing by spiritual laws and spiritual principles, things of faith, hope, and love, right? Empowered by God. 
He said, stop going, stop thinking that way. And, and this is just it. Let, let me put it in terms that we use today. Stop thinking your bills are going to be met by where you work. Your bills aren't met by where you work. You are at the place that you work because God's blessed you there and blessed you. Your bills are met because God loves you and blesses you. Stop thinking that the doctors are the only one that can heal you. Look to God first. Look to Him first. Now, He may tell you to go to a doctor. That's okay. That's, that's completely good. God, God uses that. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. How do you think doctors receive the wisdom? and the they, We know more about the body today than we've ever known before. Who do you think God gave that wisdom to? It was the doctors. But the point is, who's your, it was the Lord who gave those doctors. Who is your source? Stop looking to the world first and look to God first. Otherwise, quit claiming that he's your Lord. Either he's your Lord or he's not. If he's your Lord, then stop putting other stuff in front of him. This is what John the Baptist preached. This is what Jesus preached. Repent. For the kingdom that you've been looking for and constantly thinking it's coming in the future at some time and God's going, it's here now. Well, from that day that Jesus was baptized, it tells us over in Luke, he looked up and he started praying and he prayed and the heavens that had been closed since the fall of man were opened up again and the grace of God and the kingdom of God was released into this earth. And it's not closed back up yet. We're still in that same period of time. So we, just like the Israelites at that point, have to make sure that we start thinking the same way that John the Baptist and Jesus was preaching to change our thinking and turn it around and start looking at God first in all things, in everything, mm -hmm. in everything. Let me give you another example of this. Let's say that something breaks, right? Let's say that something on your car breaks, Right? Don't just, and let's say that it costs $200 to fix and you got $1,000 in your account. Glory to God for days when you have $1,000 in your account, right? But here's the thing. Let's say that it breaks. You've got $1,000 in your account. Do you just go and just go spend the money because you have it there? You need to pause. You need to say, wait a minute, Lord, how do you want to do this? Now, there's a period of time where you just go handle it, but you need to start thinking. You need to train yourself to think, who is first? Right. Who is going to show me the way? Because just because you have it there doesn't mean that's the way he wants to do it. You may be sitting there in prayer, and all of a sudden he says, uh, call Joe. And, and you call Joe and you tell him about it. He says, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And uh, if you'll run down to Advance Auto, there's a $5 part, and it'll fix that right up. Because Joe had wisdom and God didn't want you to spend the other $195. He'll save you. Listening and putting him first will put you in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. But the key is, are we even putting him first? Or are we just tracking through life doing everything that everybody's told us to do? God wants to help us so much more than we've been allowing him to help. Now, that doesn't mean that you sit there, all right, if I don't have a car, now I can't go to work. And so, Lord, I'm waiting on you. I've got $1,000 in the bank. It only costs $200. And now uh, I'm not going to go to work Monday through Friday because my car don't 
car don't work. No, go get the thing fixed and get back to work. You have responsibilities, right? I'm not saying take this into the ditch. I'm saying you've got to learn to put God first. And let's say that somebody comes up and they just uh, give, you, give you some money or something. Who says it's for you? Right. Come on. That's good. That's really See, good. we don't even want, no, no, they give it to me. It's mine. That's the way we want to think. But who says it is? Uh, if we get receive un, unexpected money at every time, we've learned. Lord, is this ours? What's it, if it is, what's it for? Or who does it go to? Many times I've had the Lord say, no, it's not for you. It's for this person. That's why I gave it to you. See, when we learn to become good stewards of God's things, he can pass more things through us. But yeah, there's a lot of people he can't pass stuff through because we haven't learned that it's not ours. We're his ambassadors. Don't you think that an ambassador for a country handles certain things for their country and everything that comes through their hands, they don't just assume is theirs? Wouldn't you be a better ambassador if you start thinking like that? And what's our one job? Do you realize that your occupation as a Christian is not where you work? Your occupation as a Christian is an ambassador of Christ. So because the church hasn't recognized that, you have a bunch of people that are out of place. They're AWOL from their job because they're not, in, they're not uh, being the ambassador that God called them to be. We're all ambassadors. If you know Jesus and if you're a part of his family, you're an ambassador. Yeah. You're royalty. You are. You are royalty in God. That's who you are. Now the, the question is, have we acted like it? No, we've missed it. We've missed it. But that's all right. Just get on track now. Repent. Change the way you've been doing things. Change the way you've been thinking about things. And say, all right, Lord, you'll empower me to be who I'm called to be. And I'll start to be, no matter if anybody else in this room makes any changes, I'm making changes. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. So the whole... Sermon on the Mount was set up by a switch, a change of thinking and action from physical to spiritual, a change from limited power and light to fullness of power and fullness of light. Now, light means revelation, hope, right? It means also being a good witness. And what I showed in the first is how the Lord didn't just, the whole Sermon on the Mount was to help us, this third statement. The whole sermon was to move us into abundant power and abundant light and keep us in abundant power and abundant light. Yep. And let, me, let me give you an example of this. The other day, um, it was you guys I'll be talking about. So the other day, yay, congratulations. Welcome to the front row, glory to God, amen. And so the other day we were praying and they come up here and I, I wanna give you something. Why are you seeing, I've said this multiple times but I feel like I'm supposed to share it today. Why do you think you're seeing all these movies about superheroes and supernatural powers? Because we're, in, we're coming to an end of the age where things have to happen a certain way. And one of the things that has to happen a certain way is the body of Christ has to become a glorious church. A glorious church means that the body carries the weight that God wants the body to carry. The body is you and me, right? It carries the weight. What is the weight 
of the body of Christ? What is the weight of his glory? It's moving in a power and an authority like Jesus did. That's the glorious church. It's moving in these things. Well, what does that look like? What did Jesus walk like? He walked in a power and authority that drew crowds. People were like, what? Somebody just, they've been crippled all their life. They've been blind all their life. What? And all of a sudden, they started just getting up. uh, Let me just touch him. Let me just touch his garments. I'll be healed. And they are. The power of God and the glory of God was released. It has a drawing power and it's designed in this last day to draw the world. So here's the thing, whether somebody is following Christ or not, they were created in the image of God and they were designed to carry a glory. Humankind already carried the glory once in the garden before the fall. Now Jesus has redeemed us from the curse and you are now have your whole body doing this. I'm designed for something. Whether you know that thought or not, your spirit man's going, I'm made for something more than what I've been living so far. And it doesn't matter if people are actually following Christ or not. Their spirit was still designed in the image of God and it has a desire and a call and a draw to live that way. And so when it lives and starts to live that way, uh, it starts to look, or when it starts to wake up to that, it starts to look for this power. All of a sudden, you have this hunger in a whole society that says, we're hitting towards the end of the the age. This is the way it's supposed to be. Where's the power I'm supposed to be walking? There's something more. There's something real, and I don't have it. I need it. Hollywood recognizes the hunger and says, let's give them some superhero movies. Because it's inside of them too, saying, I want to be who this is. Well, it's, it's, it's not that there's necessarily superheroes. It's just that there's normal people in Jesus. That's the way it's supposed to be. Normal people in Jesus carry a power and a light. So the other day, um, it was funny. Uh, Lisa and Nicole and I had a meeting the other day, and she just told me testimony after testimony after. She, you started coming in February, and since February, she had like five or six testimonies, one after the other, of how all these things had happened. Just healing had happened, life had happened, backs not hurting, fibromyalgia gone, right? No symptoms of that anymore. I got peace. People are saying, just argue with me, saying, I, I don't want to anymore. You know, just the love of God pouring out. Why? Because the power of God has moved on her life. Well, that's a real testimony. She was saying the other day, I was standing up here for prayer, and she said, I was just shaken under the power of God. And then it said this. See, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's there. Let's say that she was standing where that table was. She said, Pastor Brian, I was standing beside Pastor Nicole. I was feeling the power. She said, you got closer to me, and it like hit me like a wave, and it it almost, almost fell out then. Is that what you were saying the other night? Amen. All right. That's the power of God. Whether or not you realize it or not, there's a reality to the spiritual world and you're designed to walk in it. Right. The other day we were praying for you guys. Right. And if I remember correctly, it was Patty and then David. Right. And so I came up. um, Come here, uh, David, real quick. Just stand right here. So all I did was I prayed for Patty. Right. I prayed for Patty. And if I remember correctly, I, I did touch her head, right? 
But when I touched her head, and I didn't just lightly touch it, right? I, I touched it like she could feel it, but I did that, and then I moved to the next person. Well, when I did that, she fell out. Okay, thank you. So she fell out under the power of God. Well, we finish up the service and everything, and they come up to me, and uh, David, David told me later, she goes, she said, she turned to David, and David was standing there watching. She said, did Pastor Brian throw me to the ground? Is that what you ask? Yeah. Yeah. He was like, no. I mean, I was there too. I didn't do it. And it's somewhere on video. You can go watch. She said, she said now you got to understand power. She, and, and why did she need that? I don't know. Maybe it just meant something where she received better. I don't know. But then all of a sudden... I prayed for her. I just moved to the next person. I did touch her, but it wasn't throwing her, and it definitely wasn't pushing her back. It, but she said, when he laid hands on me, it's like he took me and threw me to the ground. I didn't do that. Who did that? The Holy Spirit did that. Now, that was, what, three weeks ago, something like that? So we're talking about moving in something that's real. And listen, you are designed, you are designed to flow in the power of God, not just the pastor. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, pastor Tracy's coming here tonight. He's one of, one of my mentors. He's the real deal. He's the real deal. Uh, Joel here the other night, we were down in South Carolina. We went to go see Pastor Tracy. Joel had a question uh, the night before about blowing on people Whew, like that. Jesus did that in the upper room when they got born again. There's several examples, and, and Pastor Tracy answered some of those questions. Well, all of a sudden, uh, will you slide over one seat, please? So Joel was sitting there the very next night and he was standing, he had his eyes closed and, and was just worshiping God like that. The whole time he had his eyes closed. Well, I'm sitting across the room and I see Pastor Tracy, uh, like you can tell, you, can, you just start to know and learn him. And I was like, he about to get somebody. Oh, I think he's about to get Joel, right? And uh, about that time, he goes up and, and he and I, from where I was sitting, I couldn't see what transpired. But all of a sudden, Joel goes, boom, like that, and goes back in his seat, right? I'm so glad I didn't elbow you when I did that. And uh, he went back in his seat like that. And I'm like, oh, man, Pastor Tracy must have got... Because uh, I'll just tell you this real quickly. Pastor Tracy, a lot of times, he will, he's more forceful when he lays on hands than I am. And uh, he has a reason for it. There are spiritual reasons to do that. And so if he does that when he's praying for you, don't be, don't be surprised. Just receive. Just receive. And so anyway, there's a, I thought he did that. Cause it, and, and I do it. I'll do it like this morning. If people know me and they trust me, then I'll do it more openly. Right? That's the way I'll do it. But he'll do that with everybody. But there's, I, I've never seen more people get up healed. Right. And get up delivered from the amen. So it, it's the thing. It's like, all right, this is real. And so I thought he did that to Joel. Well, George was sitting. Did he do it? <laughs> George was sitting next to him. And he was like, Joel, Joel came back. And he was like, whoa. And he said, man, did he hit me or what? And George said, George said, he didn't touch you. He just blew on you. Is that right, George? 
Yeah. And so then all of a sudden, Joe came up to me that night and says, how can a 210 pound man blow on a 200 whatever pound man and knock him in his chair and knock him out? Because he was out for a while. The power of God that you're designed to walk in. There's a difference. Not only that, but the Lord led you, and, and you know, I don't know, I don't know what you were thinking about it, but I can tell you that was twofold. One to bless you, but we're always blessed to be a blessing and for that power to overflow. That next morning, the Lord led him carrying, is he now carrying something that he didn't, he might not even know what it was. He was carrying a power of God. The Lord led him to go to the hospital to pray over somebody that was going to, they were going to have the plugs pulled, right? And they expected them to die as soon as the, they pulled the plug. Well, they, Joel went carrying that power, prayed over that person, they pull the plug, the person that's supposed to die wakes up. Yes. <laughs> Says, where's the phone? I want to call my family. Is that right? There's a power of God that's still alive and real today. Now listen, and she's home today. All right, now listen, and she was doing exercise she couldn't do before. And let me ask you, now I won't, this is important, right? You've been going here for how long now? Like two months? We've known each other for about four months total, right? You didn't even know, know that all this stuff was available. You don't have to be some super big, important person. You just need to be a child of God. You just need to be a child of God. He didn't, you know, listen. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, they have a role to play. But it's not to be super Christian and everybody look at them and worship them. Their role is to train up the body to be who they're called to be. So that the power of God can flow through a believer. So that the power of God can flow through an, a believer who lays hands on, on her co-worker and she gets healed when the doctor said, we can't heal you. Is that right? We're not at verse one yet. <laughs> Y'all are drawing on me. I can feel it. And that's good. You need to do that. Now, we're going to go in the great sermon and it talks about a lot of conditions to be met. But you have to understand that if there is supernatural power, if there's supernatural power, to be had, then the conditions to meet can also be supernaturally met. So if Jesus tells me to do something, even though in my mind I'm going, I don't know if I can do all that. I don't know if I'm capable of doing all that. You can right then look to Jesus and say, but if you told me I could do it, then I can do it. And I don't know how, but I trust you. Amen. Amen. Paul's right here and the Holy Spirit's dealing with some folks. Just bow your head, pray in the Holy Ghost if you do. And just receive. Just receive what he has for you. Thank you, Father, for touching your people. Thank you, Lord. Touch hearts, Lord. Restore. Renew. Lord, open up minds to be who you called them to be.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Uh, come here real quick. Uh, Scarlet and I'm trying to think of his name. Just met him last week. Come on up here. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here, take this off for just a minute. Just a minute. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now. Power of God. Lord, things that they've desired and longed for and known that it's true. Let the fire of God be now in Jesus' name. Fill her up, Lord. Lord, let every dream that you put in her be filled now in the name of Jesus. Lord, let her fill and overflow in your ways. May giftings be activated in Jesus' name. And as you give yourself to the righteousness of God, you will see the power be released in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There are things that he has called you to that are beyond what a lot of people would accept as right and normal. Now, don't get out in front of him. Be diligent. Go after him. Be humble. Be hungry. And he will lead you right down the path. Sometimes that path will look like it's, it's not on course. But you just listen to the Holy Ghost and he will show you. Submit yourself to, to elders. Submit yourself where you're planted. And he will walk you. And all of a sudden, you'll turn a corner. And all of a sudden, you'll be in the place that you've dreamt about all your life in the Spirit. And it, he will fulfill each and every one of those things. In the name of Jesus, so be it. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Now, going back to Matthew chapter 5. Although there are many conditions to be met, don't be overwhelmed through God. You can. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. We talked about that some. Aren't we called to make disciples? Yes. How can we make disciples if we're not one ourselves? If we're not going to discipline ourselves to go after God and stop making excuses. Like how many people do you think were at the bottom of the mountain saying, well, when he comes down here where it's comfortable for me, then I'll listen to him, right? You know there had to be some because the same thing that people deal with today, they dealt with then. And you got to understand, but his disciples came to him. But his disciples came to him. But the ones who disciplined themselves went to Jesus. He says in, uh, I think it's Matthew 11, where he talks about my yoke is easy, my burdens is, is light. He says there, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your weary soul, right? He said, come to me. A lot of people are sitting at home going, oh God, please help me. Oh God, please help me. But they're not coming to him. They're not putting any action to it. They're just expecting God to show up and magic happen, right? That's not the way it works. He says, come to him. His disciples, which he told us to go make disciples, right? He says, they are the ones who are disciplined after the things of Jesus. And so they discipline 
discipline themselves and go after him, right? We have to go after him, all right? And then in verse 2, be a disciple, a disciplined learner that seeks after Christ. Be a disciple, a disciplined learner that seeks after Christ. Now in verse 2 it says, he opened his mouth and began to teach them Saying. Now, I had a note in, in one of the Bibles I was looking at that said the Beatitudes, right? The Beatitudes. Like uh, I've heard other people say, this is the attitude that you need to be in, right? You need the Beatitudes, right? But what that word means, I wrote it down, is Beatitudes means consummate bliss, the joys of heaven based on virtuous actions. The joys of heaven based on virtuous actions. In other words, as we take actions on what Jesus is preaching, we will move into a consummate bliss and the joys of heaven. When we take action, we will move into the joys of heaven. Have you ever wanted to have the joys of heaven here on earth? And you'll notice even later on in this sermon, Jesus will say, pray this way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The whole point of this great sermon is to get the things of heaven where heaven just opened to get them into the earth. Get them in your life and not leave you in the place where it just all stinks all the time. Not leave you in the place where you always have something to complain about. But get you to the place where heaven starts manifesting in you. Right? Now most of us have tasted that, but it's not been continuous. What Jesus was laying out was how to get there and stay there. That's what he's talking about. But then he goes on to say this, and I want you to see this. Verse 3, and I'm just going to skip these verses real quick, but just look. Verse 3, blessed. Verse 4, blessed. Verse 5, blessed. Verse 6, say it with me, blessed. Verse 7, blessed. Verse 8, blessed. Verse 9, blessed. Verse 10, blessed. Verse 11, blessed. Verse 12, rejoice. <laughs> Rejoice. I just like to think that one day God was saying, one day Pastor Brian's going to be preaching that message. He's going to catch him right there. You know, he's going to say, bless, 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 bless. Nope, rejoice. And he just gets a chuckle out of it. I think it's funny. But here's the thing. What was he trying to get across? He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed. Understand that there is something in the corrupted, the corrupted nature of our flesh that wants to pay the price. I've been bad. I've got to pay for it. That is called sin consciousness. And the issue with that is that we always want to pay for something and we never can receive the blessing that God had poured out. It's called sin consciousness. But it's a condemnation. It's a punishment. In the Catholic Church, they call it penance. Right? Where you have to pay penance for things that you've done. And it's a, it's a doctrine of penance. Where if I, if I do this much, this many things to pay for what I did wrong, I'll be absolved of some of these sins. Right? Well, that's, that's a corrupted flesh mindset, but it's not in the Word. Now there is seed time and harvest. So the things that we do, we will reap a harvest off of the things that we do. God is not mocked. 
However, you notice in here, Jesus came while we were all messed up. While we were all messed up, did he come when you were, got it all right? When, did he come when you looked like Jesus? No, he came when you were all messed up. In Romans chapter 5, it says that we were sinners, we were helpless, and even it declares it in three verses, verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10. We were sinners, we were helpless, and we were enemies of God. And each one says, and that's when he gave his life for you. That's when he died for you. That's when he sent his son. He didn't come when you had it all together. I know people that will sit at home and say, I'm, I don't want to go to church because I'm not clean yet. Because the church has taught them that they got to pay for their sin before they even walk in the door. That's not Bible. Actually, that would be like, you know, that would be like uh, somebody going to the hospital and say, well, I'd really like to go get healed. So when I get, when I get well, I'll go to the hospital and help stay that way. Yeah. That's what the hospital's for. Right. That's what it's there for. Right. For people that don't have it all together in their body to get all together. That's what the church is for. People that don't have it all together in the spirit to get all together. Right? To get all together. Help them just. So then you see that what Jesus was trying to get across and get to people, was it a cursing or a blessing? A blessing. It's a blessing. What's Jesus want you to receive out of it today? A blessing. a blessing. Now in this message today, I wanted to get through all those blessings, but we're only going to verse 6. But there is so much in verse, those first few verses. It's amazing. They look like they're simple, but they are chock full of big, big stuff for you. So let's look at this first one here. He says in verse 2, He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Bless, bless, bless. And then he says, verse 3, no, And I just wrote this, Know that he wants you blessed. Don't let those blessings sit idly. Don't let those blessings sit idle. Meet the conditions and receive them by faith. You're not meeting the conditions on your own strength. You're meeting it on his strength that he'll even give you the strength to meet the conditions. But there's blessings for you to pull on by meeting the conditions by pulling on him. And you can walk in those blessings today. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that looks like such a simple thing. And what would you say that the poor in spirit is? Right? A lot of people have this idea that can't you see that, that Jesus wants me poor? You know, I'm not just talking about financially, I'm talking about poor in the sense of, oh, I'm just, my, my righteousness is as filthy rags, right? We have this idea in church that we cower, you know, we are, we're supposed to be a cowardly people almost. Now, that is not what the fullness of the gospel teaches us. When he's saying poor in spirit, I want you to get another picture of this that matches the rest of the gospel, right? He's not talking about, uh, did, did Jesus back down when it came time to set some things straight? Was he cowardly when his disciples started to go away and then he looked at them and said, you want to go too? Was that, was that like, oh, I know, oh, disciples, hold on, wait a minute, I must have missed it. Don't go. 
I'll change. Is that what Jesus did? No, that's not what he did at all. He said, basically, in today's terminology, there's the door. And then the ones who had humbled themselves said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of life. In other words, what, he, what happened was a sifting of who was actually serious about this thing. Because only the serious ones were going to be able to make it in the coming days anyway. Well, let me tell you, only the serious ones are only going to be able to make it in these coming days too. I'm telling you, right now, there's a sifting that's happening. And you need to decide, is Jesus my Lord or is he not? But see, what my point is that Jesus wasn't cowardly. He wasn't over, oh, I'm just a poor sinner. That's not who he was and that's not who he wants us to be either. He always walked in humility. And I'm, I'm going to show you some more on that in a second. But look at this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and when you look at that word and you look at the full counsel of the word, you see this, that that means beggarly in this sense. Don't let that word throw you. It means beggarly in this sense. They're not spiritually arrogant. They recognize they can't live without God in spirit. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, I can't do this alone. Blessed are the ones who aren't spiritually arrogant, but they look like a beggar that says, unless you help me, I can't do this. That is what it's talking about. The poor in spirit are the ones who recognize their need for Jesus. They recognize, I can't do this without you, Lord. I can't do it. I need you. I want you. I have you, and I thank you. I need you. This is from a message I did several years ago. This is, this is some words that we need to get in our heart. Lord, I need you. Not just do I need you, but I've changed my heart to the place where I want you. And then we need to, by faith, I have you. Oh, and I thank you. I, want, I need you, I want you, I have you, and I thank you. Right? This is the poor in spirit. They recognize I can't do it. Now, in, in ministry for almost, you know, at Boomerang for almost 10 years, in ministry almost pushing 20 now, um, I've noticed that when people come through that door, very few people come into the church and say, I am a stinking mess. I need help. And I, I see that most people don't walk in that way. Most people, they're good. until, And then all of a sudden, we sit down and we have dinner and they start telling me all the things that they've done in ministry. It's like, here is my spiritual resume. Look at me. I am here to bless your church. Like, that's the worst thing you can do to me. Don't do that. If you were planning on doing it, don't. Because immediately you will shrink down several levels in my eyesight because it does not match somebody who's not spiritually arrogant. They don't realize what the need, the, the purpose of church is. They don't realize, hey, God's given you some oversight and responsibility over the church as a pastor to help raise up the body. And there are, there are some spiritual hierarchies. He loves us the same. He loves you like he loves me. But there is responsibility and there are different roles. And, and God can take the least 
and turn them into the greatest. So what we need to do is we need to match up with that in our heart. Yeah, that's good. And it's not saying that we're not good and that God can't use us. It's saying that through God we can do all things, but I've got to have him. Amen. Without him, I can't do anything. But with him, I can do everything. Amen. That's the heart. That's the heart. I, I wrote this down I, on each one of these verses, uh, at least today. I wrote down, by looking at this and taking the full counsel of the word, I gave you like Brian's translation of this verse. Supremely blessed are those who don't think that they have arrived already, but they recognize their constant need and their absolute need for Jesus. For they are royalty of heaven they are God's rule and realm of blessing will be manifest in their life. God's rule and his manifest blessings, the realm of his blessing will be manifest in their life. For who? For the ones who recognize their constant and absolute need for him and, don't, and aren't spiritually arrogant. Then he says this, I wrote this just as a point. Recognize your need, this is your action point. Recognize your need for Jesus and reach for him in your life. Repeat constantly. Recognize your need for Jesus, but don't just recognize it. Don't just stop there. Reach for him in your life and repeat constantly. Let's look at the next one. Uh, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, this is an interesting verse because, see, you can look at these first two and you can say, well, I need to be poor and I need to mourn. That's not what he's saying. Right. Remember, the whole purpose of the great sermon that Jesus preached was to move us to fullness of power and authority, to be the full power and the fullness of light, revelation, hope, and the witness that we're supposed to be. The full power and the full light. And so what he's saying here is, he's not saying you're going to be blessed because you mourn. He's saying those who find themselves in the place of mourning, because of me they will be comforted. I'm not going to leave them like that. Now I've watched, and why do, why do I say it like this? Because uh, there's something, have you ever met somebody when you meet them, they tell them about all the bad stuff that's going on in their life? Generally it's a family member if that helps you locate them in your life. <laughs> have you ever noticed, sorry, sorry family members. Um, have you ever noticed that there's somebody that's always telling you how they got it bad? Let me tell you a story. One time, one time uh, I watched a situation develop and unfold, and it was a complete tragedy. It was horrible. Uh, the devil had gotten involved in a, in a situation with somebody, and it did not end well. It was a complete tragedy. Uh, whereas it, it's interesting, um, one thing about tragedies that I've seen from a distance uh, or sometimes indirectly or sometimes directly, is that I've seen people where God's reaching out to them. God's trying to get them to come to church, to somebody who's carrying that power, who's carrying the reality of God. 
He's trying to get to them and they don't do it. I've watched it happen so many times now where the Lord's been trying to reach into a life and that person uh, doesn't come. The recent one uh, was there was a tragedy that happened uh, in, in February actually at the same time you came and you guys came that same week. I know that there was a flyer put on their door to come to the Kickstart Revival where everything could have changed. But it didn't happen and tragedy sp- struck. That was God. That was the last ditch thing by God. Look, here's where you need to go. Here's what you need to be a part of. Here's where, here's where you need to be. And I'll help you because I'm telling you the power of God is here to help in that way. But then all of a sudden I watched another where the Lord was trying to reach out. It it was not accepted by the person. And a lot of times it looks like this. You need to go hang out with that pastor. You need to go be a part of that church. That's, That's the way God's help looks like because... Through you, all the nations will be blessed. God moves on people through people, right? And it's through connection and relationship. So in this one, God was trying to reach out to a family. It wasn't received and tragedy struck and, and truthfully lives were lost. Some years later, I, I saw from a distance people that were still mourning over that tragedy some years later. Mourning, in in total mourning over it. And it bothered me. It bothered my spirit. And I found that if something bothers my spirit like that, then there's a reason for it. Here's one of the things that happens in a tragedy. And I want to show you a trap so that you never have to fall in it and you can minister to other people as well. Many people, when tragedy strikes, they think that if they let go of the grief and they let go of the mourning that they're dishonoring the person. It's a trap. It's a spiritual trap. So what, they, what the devil does is he takes a tragedy and then he multiplies the effect of that tragedy and keeps somebody bound up for years and years and years. The heart of God is never to leave somebody in the place of mourning. And you can know no matter where you are or what you found yourself in, you have a call to be blessed and move from mourning into comfort by the words of Jesus himself. And for us to leave mourning on the table and stay there for a long period of time, it's not that we won't miss somebody if they, if they go on to be, you know, go on and leave this earth. It's that you're not supposed to stay in that place of mourning. You're supposed Supposed to turn to Jesus and find rest and comfort for your soul. And if you don't turn to him, then you're denying what he paid the price for. And then you then all of a sudden you don't realize, man, I've been here for quite some time. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And even when you look at this word, one of the the definitions that I found in my study, it wrote it like this. It said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They are blessed when they call to one side. In other words, when they call Jesus to their side, they will be comforted and strengthened. To call to one side to comfort and strengthen. Isaiah 61 2 says this to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. 
All who mourn. God's heart is to comfort all who mourn. That was what Jesus was fulfilling when he showed up. I want, if you find yourself in the place of mourning, I have poured out some grace to take you from mourning into comfort. That's who he is. His character is a comforter. To stay in mourning is to deny his character to enter your life. Hear that again. To stay in mourning and to stay in grief is to deny the character of Jesus to enter into your life. You see that? So we've got to take up a responsibility to say, I'm not, listen, I promise you, if you ever find yourself, and and this might not be anybody sitting here today, but it may be somebody that's watching. If you ever find yourself in mourning and you're saying, I feel like I am going to uh, give a lack of esteem to that person by dropping my grief and dropping my mourning, you're not dropping your remembrance of them. And I promise you that person, whether they're in heaven or in hell, I promise you, they of all people would want you to come out of that morning and head towards the ways of Jesus. There's no doubt about that. They, you're actually doing them a disservice to stay in the morning and in the grieving, not the other way around. They, they of all people would want you to go after the character of God's nature which is to comfort those who mourn. Find your comfort in Jesus today. Find it because he has made it available. Amen? So his character is a comfort, comforter. To stay in mourning is to deny him. If you turn to Jesus in your heart, you will be comforted. I wrote it like this. Blessed are those who have been in mourning for when they call Jesus to their side... He will strengthen and comfort them and never leave them in mourning. He will never leave them in mourning. And so the action point is call for Jesus at all times, high and low. Don't just call to him when it's it's low. Call to him when you're in high times. Call to Jesus, call for Jesus at all times, high and low, and he will comfort you. Now, verse 5 and verse 6 are talking about hunger and humility And I'm going to leave it, I'm going to cut it right there and we'll come back to that next week. Hunger and humility. This we'll be talking about next week big time. Hunger and humility. When I did some fasting, extensive fasting over the last couple of years, out of one of those fasts I had just finished uh, with a 40 day fast. And I say that only to get your attention on how important it was what God said to me coming out of that. He said this to me almost every single day for a year. Hunger and humility. Hunger and humility. Every day I woke up and almost every single day I would hear the words in my spirit from the Lord. Hunger and humility. 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 And And he said that to me, I would say it was for a year straight, almost every single day. And sometimes multiple times a day. 
hunger, and humility. That's what we're going to be discussing next week. And you are going to love what it takes you into because it is the fullness of some of God's things. And the next two verses talk about it specifically. Hunger and humility is so important to God because those two things take you into the presence of God and they leave you there. Amen. They will keep you there. Glory to God. So right now I just want to open it up as we leave. If you need something in your life, Today is more teaching than it was preaching, and that's the way I think most of this will be. If you need something in your life, I need healing, I need some provision, I need some wisdom and some answers, I need, you need anything, I want you to come forward right now and let me pray for you and just release whatever it is that you need, God will answer those things for you. He will move with your word, with his word. He will move in that place. And right now, if, you, if you're just sitting there and you're like, you know what? I need my relationship back where it's supposed to be. I need to be in the place of blessing, not in the place that I have been. Anybody ever been there? And does it matter if you've known him before or not? Sometimes we can know him, but then we get off track. We move off and it's like, I knew I wasn't supposed to, but man, I got off track. And now all of a sudden my life looks like a wreck, right? And that's the moment where humility towards God says, I got to have them. Lord, I need you. Remember, blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Do you want the kingdoms of God's things in your life? Then this is what it looks like. The poor in spirit's like this. I can't stand here like a man acting like I don't need God. Acting tough and being scared of what people think of me. Trying to put on something. The poor in spirit that gets heaven to enter into their life looks like this. Jesus, I can't do this without you. I need you. I need you. And you know what? Even as a pastor, I've had multiple moments like this. Where I didn't even do anything wrong. But man, did I need him. And so no matter if you messed it all up, or you didn't mess anything up, but you need Jesus this morning, you need him in your life, come up right now. And just stand right here in front of the altar. Lord, I need you this morning. I need you. I'm not going to stand by and let the devil trick me out of the help that you made available. I'm hitting my knees. Lord, I need strength. I need comfort. I need the power of God. I need relief. I need your grace. I need healing. I need deliverance. I need provision. A lot of times, pride and fear... A lot of times pride and fear will keep us in our seat when we need to be receiving. And so, it, you know, sometimes you don't know and then I'll be, I'm going to be praying for people in just a second. And sometimes you don't feel any draw to come up here. But while I'm praying, the Holy Ghost says, hey, you're supposed to be up there too. And you go, oh, okay. If that happens to you, you come on up at any time. Come on up at any time, okay?
And I want us all to pray right now. Just bow your head. Would you agree if you're standing up here, no matter how bad the situation looks or how little, would you agree that you need the help of God? Would you agree that you need the supernatural help of God? For us to need the help of God, but then not do things in His way would be pride. So what we need to do is say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. You are going to be Lord of my life, not just in my words, but in my heart too. Lord, I need you. And I need you enough to change me, to change who I am. I'm not that person anymore. I'm different. This day marks it. I'm different. And I'm going to tell you, I want you to listen to this very, very, very closely. The power of God can show up in your life and it can break every chain. I want, I want you to look up for a second. Here, come with me. I want you to look up. Let's say Keith is doing awesome. God's blessing him. God is moving on his life and, and redeeming him. But I want everybody to watch here. Let's say, now watch this. Let's say right now, um, Johnny, will you come here? You're going to represent the chain of bondage, okay? And you're just going to sit. You're, you're the chain of bondage, right? And what you keep doing is walking him around, and Keith keeps walking in circles, and you're holding him in that place. A chain of bondage keeps you going in circles, spinning your wheels in life, right? And it's supernatural. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. This, this bondage can be curses from our family that we're walking in we don't know. This bondage can be addictions. It can be temptations. It can be all kinds of stuff that's spiritual in our lives. It can be peer pressure. It can be you know people at school or people at work or People in our own family that are trying to put pressure on us to do things that are ungodly. Now I want you to see something. God can come in and he can destroy that bondage. Right? And he can completely remove that bondage. Now that bondage is gone. If you were in bondage, do you now have the right to step out and start walking the straight line? You do. The power has been broken. But don't you know that we are a people of habit? And some things even become comfortable to us. But we've got to recognize that the power's broken. So a lot of times what happens is God comes in in a service like this. He breaks the power, but we don't tell the habit no and what ends up happening. And we start walking in the same circle because we won't tell the habit no. 
We're not standing up. We don't really believe we've received it because we feel the pressures of habits. And what we've got to learn is, in a service like this, the power of God is real. Just like the same power that knocked you to the floor, right? The same power that blew that breath on Joe. All right? That power will break that bondage right here today. When I lay hands on you, all power will be broken. But we've got to recognize that the bondage is gone. And now I have the right and the power to say, no, I'm not going to walk in those habits anymore. Because if I keep walking in those habits, go ahead. What I do is I open up the door for the bondage to come back. Anybody ever lived that before besides me? But Jesus will come in and he will remove the bondage today. Now, here's the thing. As a pastor, I can lead you on this path to go walking straight. But I can only lead you if you'll take me by the hand. And Jesus can only lead you if you'll take him by the hand. And a pastor in a church is one of his ways that he leads you. He says it in his word. So in other words, now, can I, if Keith said, I'm not going to hold your hand and, and be a disciple, I'm not going to discipline myself, then I'm, I can't help him, can I? Because if I come in here and say, no, you do what I say. Well, that's old church. That's religion. And I'm forcing that way on him. I can't do that. He's got to want to. That means he's got to on purpose come and say, come on, man, take me by the hand. He's got on purpose get himself in church. He's got on purpose let himself be pastored. Let himself take Jesus by the hand by operating in his ways. Because if, if he does this for a little bit, but then all of a sudden he decides, I'm not going to let go of you. How many years have y'all known me? Years. Probably five, six years now, something like that. And we've had times where I've seen you and times I haven't. Have I let go of you? No, I haven't. And I never will. But there's times... When we decide, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, I can help. But what happens if they're not ready? And most of the time people think they're more ready than they are. What happens if they're not ready and they're not fully discipled yet and all of a sudden they let go of the hand that's helping them stay on that path? What ends up happening? They go back to what they know. How many of us have gone through that before? Oh, man. I don't even want to tell you how many times it's been for me. But if that power gets broken today and we change our habits and we tell those old habits no and we tell the new habits yes, I'm going to do this God's way. I'm going to do it the way he told me to. Thank you. I'm going to do it the way God told me to. Then all of a sudden you are empowered this day to step loose and step free and to never return. And the freedom of God to hit your life in ways that has never been hit before. Amen. His ways looks like this. Let's bow our heads. Father, we can't do this without you. We need you. I've been trying to do it other ways. And it hasn't worked. Today I'm saying I can't do it without you I need you and the first step is I need my relationship with you to be where it's supposed to be 
I can't put my relationship with you, Jesus, on the shelf and just pick it up and look at it when I need it. It needs to be an all-the-time, everyday thing. And so, Lord, today, all of us praying need to renew that. Now, right now, if you're sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I need to get up there. I didn't go earlier, but I know now I need to be up there. If that's you, just come on. Everybody here is going to cheer you, not look bad, not look down on you. We're going to cheer you. But you know what? It takes guts to step out of some mess sometimes. You got to say, you got to have enough commitment in your heart to say, I'm going to go do this thing no matter who's looking, who cares. I'm giving myself to Christ. So if you need to come on up, come up. But all of us with every head bowed right now, just pray this prayer. Father, say it with me out of your mouth. Father, today, Jesus is the Lord of my life. He's the director. He calls the shots. And I follow. I believe that he took my mess on him. And that mess took him to the grave. And I believe that you brought him back to life. And praise God. When you brought him back, you brought me back. I'm no longer that dead person. But I have newness in life in Him. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire to walk this thing out, to live like you want me to live, to be the witness you've called me to be. And today, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old man is gone and I'm never returning in Jesus' name. Now just keep your head bowed right now. When, without anybody else looking, I just want to see, I want to pray for you specifically. If today you prayed that prayer and you said, you know what, I needed to pray that prayer today. I'm going to pray for you and just pray in just a second. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Who, who prayed that prayer and you said today I needed that prayer? Will you raise your hand real quick? Just keep them up for a second. Keep them up so I can see everybody. I needed that prayer today. Anybody else? I needed that prayer. Keep them up. Anybody else? I needed to pray that today and I'm not afraid to say it. Amen, I see all of that. Lord, right now, for everyone that raised their hand, Lord, I just pray that your strength would hit them. Lord, that they would see with all clarity what is your will and what isn't your will and that they would be strengthened with all your might to live this thing out according to your word. Lord, renew every relationship and every prayer from the heart. Lord, renew that relationship with them. Lord, may your grace and your strength fill them and overflow them today in Jesus' name. I thank you for it and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.